Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, while they were there, I'm sorry, (laughs) while they were perplexed by this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping in and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. John 20, verses 1 through 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes laying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Today is our last on the Woven in Gospel series. And this has been something that has been a lot of, I don't want to just say fun. This has been exciting for me. Remember the premise of why we're doing this. John's Gospel was written decades after the other synoptic Gospels that they're called, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it is noticeably different. But 
the reason it is different is intriguing. And when I read some things about this, it just captured my attention because the Gospels are so important to us. They are so, um, I don't know, I love the Gospels. It's where we find out and learn about Jesus. And so what did John want to convey that he felt needed to be conveyed after these other Gospels were written? We knew. We know that John knew about the other Gospels and that they were in circulation. John talks about things as if people already knew about them. He talks about Peter as if people knew who Peter was, about John the Baptist in ways, or about Mary and Lazarus' sister and the things that she did. There's references made in John's Gospels that you would have to know the previous Gospels, whether it's one of them or all of them, to have an understanding of what he is talking about. And so he is writing with the knowledge that these Gospels were already there in circulation, but he wanted to convey more. I think that's exciting, okay? That's why we spent 12 weeks in it, right? Because I was excited about it. Sorry if you weren't, but it's been a lot of thrill for me going through this and looking at what John is trying to bring out from these other gospels that maybe we didn't see. It's not that the other gospels are insufficient. It's just John had more to say. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about the last bite of food, dressing in the dark, backstage passes, and my mom's memorial. This is the last bite. This is where you get to the end of the bowl of cereal and there's only one little spoonful left or where you get to the bottom of your, you know, whatever is your favorite food and it's the last thing there. There's been times in the past where Corrine and I have gone out to eat and she's eating and she might have to get up and go to the restroom and there's just like one bite left on her plate and I think, oh, she's done and I take it. And she comes back and she goes, where's my food? And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, I was savoring that. That was my last bite. It was like the perfect piece. And I was just a piece of steak, honey. I didn't think you would want it. That last bite is something that we savor. We wait for it. And this is really kind of what is happening here, especially at this, as we're talking about resurrection. I know it's not Easter, but... It's okay, right? Gospel and resurrection go hand in hand, and it doesn't have to be a holiday for us to talk about this. And we see that John is really bringing out some things. Now, Luke's account and John's account are very similar. They are talking about some of the same things. They talk about Mary Magdalene. They talk about Peter running to the tomb. But John includes himself here. And he gives us a little hint at where he's going in verse 9 and verse 10. He says, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he, Jesus, must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. Right? We see in Mark chapter 9, Verses 10, also in verses 31 and 32. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. 
They didn't understand it. And so John is trying to bring out, this is what's going on. I think it's intriguing that they were afraid to ask him. Why would they be afraid? Was he unapproachable? Kids came up to him. No, it's probably they didn't want to look stupid in front of the other disciples, right? Oh, he's going to rise again. Do you know what it means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what it means. You know what it means? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know too. I don't know what it means, right? They were afraid to ask him. And John was there when everyone was afraid to ask him, but they're not afraid any longer. And he's wanting this to be clear. See, the other gospels lived in this What's going on? Oh, it's like he said, but what did he mean? And John is saying, oh, there's more to tell about this story. There's some important things happening that I need to let people know. And so all these years later, he's being able to tell us. Now, we start out this scene with Mary going to the tomb. And there's something that she says in verse two that I wanna focus on. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him, right? They've taken the Lord, he's our Lord, and we do not know where they have laid him. They thought some grave robbers had taken him and we don't know. It's important to see how she is phrasing this because this is what she's thinking at this time, and this is gonna change as time goes on. The story as John tells it then is when she comes up and tells them, right? In Luke's gospel, they didn't believe her, something had happened, so they gotta go check it out for themselves, right? Which is interesting. You know, the woman came and told us about this, but we're gonna go check it out. It's interesting how God reveals himself to Mary. But Peter and John run to the tomb. Luke's gospel tells us that Peter runs, but John includes himself. He says that Peter left first, and he said he beat him there. All right? Now, why does he say that he beat him there? I don't know. I don't think it's because he's saying, I'm faster than Peter, and I want you all to know. I think he's just putting himself into the story and helping us to see how things took place. That's also why he says he stopped and looked in, but Peter passed him up and ran all the way in. Now, he probably stopped and looked in because as a Jew, stepping into a tomb would defile you. Peter didn't seem to care and ran past and ran right in. But there's something interesting that takes place because there's two different words that are used for the word they saw. John looked in and saw, Peter ran in and saw. Have you ever had to get dressed in the dark and you have a pair of black socks and dark blue socks and they look the same in the dark, right? It's hard to distinguish because they're so close. Well, the word that's used for John when he looked in and saw, it's a word that he perceived. He looked in and he started putting two and two together. He started thinking about this. He started pondering it. He started looking deeply into it. The word that's used for Peter, he saw, thought about it, and then left. There's two different words because at this point, we get the understanding that John was the first one to believe that something had happened. 
that resurrection has taken place. Peter didn't quite understand it. And I think this is important because we can be in one of these two places in our life. We can see and think about it, or we can see and be engaged by it. And we have to move into this place. We have to move from a place where we just see things or hear things to a place where we allow things to permeate our lives and to influence us. You know, I I don't want to be a person who has a faith that is just a knowledge about. I want to be a person who has a faith that affects me, that changes how I interact with people. When Jesus says, love your enemies, I want to be the kind of person who's able to do that and not just think, oh, that's a good idea. You should do that. But when it comes to me, it's like, yeah, I just can't do that. I want to be the person who sees, ponders, and starts to allow it to affect me. And that's what we see taking place here. I wonder how many times in life do I actually see and perceive and how many times I just stand and look. Peter saw more after he entered than John did at first glance, but John saw into the meaning of it better than Peter. Peter had more sight. John had more insight. I want to have more insight. And so I have to be consciously aware of myself and the circumstances I'm in when I'm encountering these kinds of things or God is encountering me And I believe John is wanting us to step inside of what we see and to gain insight into the meaning of what's happening here. I think he's wanting us to recognize that, yes, this is resurrection, but what does it mean? What is going on in this? John's additional insight into this part of the resurrection story. He lets us see that the mystery of Jesus is ongoing even after the resurrection. You know, some of the gospels that ends, it says Jesus rose again, and it's like, wow, that's it. John presses into that, and there's some strange things that happen in this part of his gospel that just makes us wonder what is taking place. And I think mystery is important. There will always be more to be explored and revealed. Even now, there will be things that we don't understand. And until the mystery is fully revealed, the best way to go forward is in faith, trusting Jesus. I'm not going to understand everything. There's always going to be that mystery. Remember, mystery isn't what we can't find out. It is ever finding out. It is always having the ability to learn, always having the ability to gain something. It is always something being revealed because God is so vast. To think that we could understand him is hubris. And there has to be this mystery. One of the mistakes I believe we make in communicating the gospel to our children is that we try to explain everything thoroughly so that there's no longer any mystery. And then as they start getting older and they've been given a God that is fully explainable, they live in a world that's bigger than the God that they believed in. And they have a hard time transitioning from this full understanding to mystery. 
There are things I don't understand. There are things that take place in the lives of people I know and people I love that are difficult. And it's hard. And if we don't maintain some idea of mystery, we're going to have a shallow belief that won't be able to carry us through deep times. And that's the whole point of our Inspire series with the kids. It's to help us understand that God is inspiring us through so many things. Of course, through scripture, of course, through prayer, of course, through gathering together. But God speaks to us in art. God speaks to us through music. God speaks to us through science. God speaks to us in so many ways. And it's a wonderful thing to step into those things. John then goes on to peek into this private encounter that Jesus has with Mary. And it's beautiful to see because after Peter and John left, Mary stayed behind. Why? You know, history has done an injustice to Mary because many in uh, throughout history have linked Mary Magdalene to the prostitute who washed Jesus's feet with her tears. Mary wasn't an immoral woman. She was just demon-possessed. I guess that's better, right? I mean, I don't know. But she had been rescued from a thousand nightmares. Jesus had taken her life and restored it. Jesus had brought her into a fold where she was actually a disciple of his. He meant so much to her. And even though they left, she lingers behind and she is the first person who Jesus reveals himself to. N.T. Wright talks about this throughout his commentaries and some of his lectures, how in this culture at that time, if you were to go into a court of law to try and make a case to prove something, a woman's testimony was not considered valid. And who does God reveal himself to first? A woman. I love him. I love him. It's just like in your face world, this is how I do things. And so Jesus reveals himself to Mary first. And there is nowhere more important that she needs to be. Let's read verses 11 through 18 in John chapter 20. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, 
But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. I want you to notice now what it is that Mary says. Remember before she had said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Now she says, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. It moved from being general to being specific. He's not just the Lord, he's my Lord. I don't know. You see, this is another transition that needs to take place in our lives. We have to go from just seeing to perceiving, and we have to go from a place where he is the Lord to he is my Lord, where it is personal, where it is something that we interact with. This is something that meant a lot to her, so much so that when pressed into this conversation, what comes out of her is more intimacy. There's a closeness here that's important. And I think that is a transition we all have to make at some point. Until we move from the Lord to my Lord, we're still just looking. We're still just observing. How do we make this move? How do we get from a place where, oh yeah, I know about the Lord and I say these prayers and I read this Bible to making it something that's deeper and more intimate to us. I have a friend, he used to work at the Greek theater for Niederlander uh, production. And so he would be able to get us into some cool shows and get us great seats. We'd get backstage passes to all kinds of things. I got to go to the Forum Club when Paul McCartney played there one time. You know, I'm sitting there with all these, you know, celebrities and stuff. And, you know, I'm just eating the food and just staring and, you know, like, oh, look at over there. You know, laughing because we're in there and who are we, right? One time we got to go see the Lakers playing in the finals. Four rows up from center court. And they would come and serve you. Now, I know they're at the Staples Center now, but they used to play at the Forum way back when in the olden days, right? And we didn't realize it, but as we start, you know, they came and they asked for our order and we ordered, I forget what it was, just something, it was expensive, so it was cheap, you know, just oh, give me this. They came back and they said, oh no, it's been paid for already. The person who gave us the seats paid our way so that we didn't have to pay anything. We just felt like, oh man, you know, well, this is, this is cool. I feel like I'm somebody, right? I'm sitting here at the forum watching the Lakers play. They are so tall, by the way, when you're that close. It was one of those things where we were invited to participate. See, I, I think the first step into how do we make this move from the Lord to my Lord isn't we say a prayer. It's we recognize that we've been invited. It is recognized that there is something that is open to us, that we've been given a backstage pass, that we've been given access to God now because of Jesus. See, I never could have sat in those seats and got that treatment if it wasn't for my friend and his connections. 
mean, maybe I could have, but I don't know who I had had to rob to do it, right? I don't know what I would have had to done to get to that place. But because of him, I was there. And because of his friend, we were there. You see, access comes because it is being given. And this is so important because we want to help everyone know this is the good news, people. Access is given. This is the incredible news. God has opened the invitation so that we can participate in his goodness and his love. It's free. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. Another interesting thing happens. She doesn't recognize him. And this is common in the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, right? It's almost... I don't know, I don't want to say Jesus is sneaky, but it's kind of strange the way some of these things happen, right? The road to Emmaus, there's two of the disciples going and Jesus walks with them. And they start talking and he says, what are you guys talking about? Have have you been a stranger? Don't you know about the things that have happened? And Jesus goes, what things? Like, you know what things, you're the things that they're talking about. But he just plays it off. And then it even says that he pretended he was going to keep on going. He was just like, ah, see you guys later, right? And he's like, he's going to keep on walking. They go, wait, wait, come and eat with us. And so they invite him. And it wasn't until he broke bread that their eyes were open and they saw him. Right? There was a trigger, that breaking of bread. Open their eyes. The disciples out in the boat fishing. Back to their old job. Peter's out there fishing. And then Jesus on the shore. And they said, friends, have you caught anything? They're like, no. And he says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Which again, that's silly. How, you know, why would I do that? But Jesus has said that once before. And then they said, it's the Lord. Peter dives in. And then they go there. And he's there making fish. And again, their eyes are open. There's this trigger. And I love the trigger with Mary. It's her name. He just says, Mary. And that voice is enough to pierce whatever was going on that she couldn't see. You know, it could be her conduit just wasn't allowing her to see something that reason would say couldn't happen. It could be that the Lord was just holding her from being able to understand. But for whatever reason, when she hears him say her name, the barriers go down and she sees and she says, Lord, and then she clings to him. So much so that he says, stop clinging to me, right? He says, you gotta let go. And she's like, no. And he says, I, I'm God, I haven't ascended yet. And I, you know, I could just see Mary. It's like, I don't even know what that means, but it's not good enough for me, right? I, I ain't letting go. I'm not letting go. <laughs> she clings to him. And then he says something. He says, go to my brothers and say, I am ascending to my father and your father. Go to my God, to your God. Did he ever call them brothers before? Did he ever address them in this way? Something's happening. There is an assumed identity now given to the disciples here before they fully understood, which I think is important to understand here. Before they were given the spirit in verse 22, which we'll see later, 
they were called brothers. Before Acts chapter 2, they were called brothers. It's interesting. And Mary tells them what happened. And then we have another account. In verse 21, Jesus shows up to the disciples and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is something none of the other gospels touch on, but John is trying to say something is going on here. Something powerful is happening. And this is when, again, many people believe that they were, quote, born again, or they became Christians. Now something different is definitely happening, but we just read that they were already called brothers. So how is this shaping up? How is this happening? And I got to tell you, this is one of those, something mysterious is happening because he doesn't breathe on everybody. We'll see Thomas later. He didn't breathe on him. Was he not in the breathe club, right? I mean, what's going on here? There's something taking place that John wants us to see and to understand. And this is why we say you don't have to believe to belong, right? These people didn't believe, but they were already brothers. They were coming to an understanding of Jesus that they had not yet understood. Who he was, well, he's a rabbi, he's a great teacher. No, he is much, much more. And it's not until the doubter that we see that unveiled more clearly. And I think a lot is happening that one of those things is Jesus is passing the baton on to the disciples. Notice in verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What the heck, right? This is one of those verses where you read it and it's like, what are you saying here? What is taking place? And I believe what Jesus is saying and I encourage you to believe like me, but I encourage you to also think about it. What I think Jesus is saying is be me. I brought the message and truth of God and his kingdom, forgiveness, God's grace. Do the same thing. You see, John is wanting us to know that resurrection is more than just an event that took place. Resurrection is not just about Jesus rising from the dead. Resurrection is about Jesus being alive in us. Otherwise, we're just playing church. Otherwise, our lives are still the same. You see, I need the breath of God on me. I need to be like him. That's the point of resurrection. That's why Jesus said, I must go and the spirit, the comforter will come and he will empower you. Remember in Acts, Jesus says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he leaves because he says, now I send you. Well, send us what? In my power. Remember what power looks like to Jesus. It looks like a cross. It looks like sacrifice. It looks like caring. And Jesus is telling them, be me. 
That was the role of a disciple. When they would follow the rabbi, their intent was to be like the rabbi. And Jesus is telling them just this. That's what resurrection means. If we read this story and don't sense the Spirit's breath on our lives, we're missing what John is wanting to expound here. This isn't a historical event alone. This is a life-changing event. At my mom's memorial just last month, I had a lot of people, a few people, probably about four people have come up to me and appreciated the memorial and said that because of the memorial, they wanted to actually be better people, right? When we've been talking with my family and talking to each other, we would start sharing stories. And I found out that my mom called so many people every day. All right, she called my Aunt Rose every day, check up on her. She called my wife multiple times a day. She called about five people every day. She didn't call me every day, by the way. I'm her son. But anyway, she called a number of people every day to see how they were doing to check in. And everyone's just saying, man, I want to be like Nana. I want to be like her. It motivated them to be better. What a testimony, Right? What a powerful testimony. Imagine the impact of resurrection moment like this when Jesus says these things to them. This is graduation day. This is diploma in your hand. This is time for you to get to work. This is where Jesus is saying, my work is now your work. What I did, now you do. In fact, Jesus said, the things that I've done and greater things you will do. Why was he saying that? Because he was meaning for that to take place. We are to do those things. Greater, I don't think it means like more magnificent. Again, remember what great looks like to Jesus. It looks like service. Well, now we can serve more people. Now we can love more people like Jesus did. One last point, and it's Thomas. John goes on to talk about Thomas, and there's another powerful encounter. Jesus shows up, reveals himself to the disciples. Thomas isn't there. Somewhere else, They tell him, Thomas, and he says, unless I see it, unless I touch him, I don't believe it. Thomas is from Missouri. He just can't buy this. And then notice what happens. I'm amazed at the stories that I've heard throughout my life from other people of how they encountered God. I know one person who was driving down Pacific Coast Highway in their Mercedes Benz, high on LSD, thinking about driving off the cliff to kill themselves when all of a sudden they heard on the radio a jazz station playing Amazing Grace and they started crying unknown why and didn't 
drive off and later came to faith. I know of another person who said, God, if you will help me find this $100 bill that I lost, I know I have, I'll believe in you, even though they've scoured their small apartment for this $100 bill. And right after they prayed that, the $100 bill was sitting there on the table. I I can't, and then they went out and bought drugs. That's another story. I can't tell you how many stories like that where people in whatever situation they are in encounter God right there where they are at. Talk to Colleen, hear her testimony, the police officer who came and rescued her. So many of us have this kind of testimony and you see, I love that Jesus doesn't say, Thomas, how dare you? He meets them where he needs to be met. God meets us where we need to be met. I don't understand the time. I don't understand how, but God always is available. No matter where we are, God is available. Corrie ten Boom tells her story in a Nazi concentration camp, how Jesus met her there that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. And and I love that about this story. You see, people, resurrection is about Jesus showing up in our lives. Let's not make it anything less. Let's not make it anything less than Jesus showing up in our lives. Like Thomas, some who doubt the most later on have the greatest declaration of who Jesus is as he says, my Lord and my God. I didn't believe you before, but oh my gosh, now you're my Lord, now you're my God. There's the change. Where's John's survey taken us? Here's one possibility I suggest, that we not only learn about the deeper meanings of Jesus' teaching and allow the Spirit to reveal them to us, but that we learn from John to look for deeper meaning. And we don't just rely on our rational, analytical minds to find things. That God is speaking in ways that are much more than just the ability to hear and understand A deeper hitting meaning can be found anywhere in this world. It can be found through music. It can be found through a horizon. It can be found through an object, an event, a person. Suddenly becomes a sign or a symbol. And this is the point, right, of of the whole Inspire series is to, to make these kind of monuments, these memorials, these sacraments, right, A symbol becomes a sacrament. Bread and wine becomes the body and blood. It becomes a memorial. It becomes an opportunity where we can engage God in different ways. An object in our world that communicates another reality, a reality different from the things but present in them. It can be fire, water, bread, wine, a ring, a scar, a drop of rain, a breeze, on our face at the right time. 
can be the whisper of God into our hearts and speak into our lives, filling our lungs with his spirit as if Jesus was breathing on us and saying, be filled with my spirit. And John concludes his gospel and he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's what we want. Life in his name. And his life is resurrection life. It is a life that communicates God's love, God's goodness, God's grace. And we've been given the baton to live in resurrection life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, there is so much more, even as John says in the previous verse, if the books could not contain all the things that you did, there is mystery in who you are, God, that we will endlessly be discovering. And I pray that we would have the desire to look intently for you, that we would not miss you because we weren't searching, that our eyes wouldn't be darkened to what you are doing around us, God, and that we would hear your voice even as Mary did, that it would awaken our souls, that it would rivet us to you, that we would desire to transition from the Lord to my Lord, our God to, to my God. Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, you know where we are at. We know what we need. And your voice is able to speak into all of our lives some way, somehow. I pray you would. And allow the baton of what you did to be passed to us. That we would take it, Lord. And we would continue to be like you. Give us your strength. Give us your eyes and understanding. And most importantly, God, give us your heart. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the breath of God refresh your lives. May you hear his voice call your name. And may you live in resurrection life. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Love one another. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.